Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. So today we're going to be covering almost all of the commanders in Commander Legends Baldur's Battle for Baldur's Gate. Uh, unfortunately, last time we there were a couple of backgrounds that had not yet been spoiled, so we're going to be wrapping up the backgrounds today, and then we're going to get into the multicolor commanders. There's a big chunk of 33 multicolor commanders to talk about so uh, a lot of content today we're going to get through it as quickly as we can uh, but before we jump in i want to briefly talk about our patreon if you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory you can support the show and get sweet benefits for as little as one dollar a month if you aren't ready to be a patron yet you can help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts all right let's jump into it uh we've got two more backgrounds to talk about um so would you like to read off the first one? Yeah, I'm assuming you're going in uh, color order, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So this is uh, a blue one. It is Candlekeep Sage. Um, it is, uh, as all the other backgrounds were, a legendary enchantment background. Uh, it costs three mana, two and a blue. And it says, Commander, creatures you own have, when this creature enters or leaves the battlefield, draw a card. And this one's a common <laughs> <laughs> for for those of you who are interested um wow this is like this is so good i like wished that we had known about <laughs> this one mm-hmm. as we were doing the episode last week but um you know that's okay cuz now we all know about it now yeah there is uh in terms of like commanders that work well with this uh Abdel, the guy who sort of puts permanence under himself and then makes soldiers, there's a couple like combos with him where he enters the, and leaves the battlefield a lot. So that's one potential place where, where this could work out well. Um, and because in, when you're going through those loops, you get to just draw a bunch of cards and eventually potentially find a win condition. Um, there's also, uh, Lulu, who cares about permanence entering or permanence leaving the battlefield, um, so that could maybe work well as a blink commander. But uh, what what do you think about Candlekeep Sage? Are there any other commanders you think it could work well with? I was just thinking basically about Abdel in the same way you were. Like that was the one that I think most obviously screamed out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the other ones that kind of hit me were like guys that want to attack but are stupid. So when I when I'm mean by that is like amber gristle omal like you're not always gonna have a perfect attack for amber with like a 3-3 haste but like if you're gonna draw a card when you cast it and when she dies like that's not the worst you cast amber draw a card like play land or whatever you gotta do for the turn attack like pitch your hands draw a bunch of cards she dies draw another card like that's just a lot of good value in blue red, which is not something blue red is want to do, but mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of value to be had in there. Other than that, like it was basically just to taste, like if you're going to have kind of like Nick said, like a blink deck, or if you're trying to do something really interesting uh, that like none of the other, like you need blue for, but like the other ones like sword coast sailor doesn't really, suit your fancy like this seemed like the best generic blue background to me 
um i'm not sure how you feel about it but just like oh when i cast my commander or my commander dies i draw a card is like pretty universally like okay mm-hmm. so that was kind of what i was thinking about it i couldn't really think of like any particular chooser other than abdel who was like really really good with it but the thing is like they don't it doesn't have to be like game-breakingly good to just give you enough value and get you in the right color okay uh are you ready to move on to the 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 final background yes do you want me to read it off the red one right yeah yeah this one is um another three mana background so again they all ended up being like pretty cheap uh it is two and a red for tavern brawler it says commander creatures you own have at the beginning of your upkeep exile the top card of your library uh the that creature gets plus X plus O until end of turn, or X is the card's mana value. You may play that card this turn. Um, okay, so we got the impulse draw red background. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you feel about this? Uh, I mean, this is probably one of the m- more generally useful red backgrounds. Mm-hmm. It's you, know, you draw a card, you potentially pump your commander if, if you're trying to get in. It might be a little bit of a combo with, um, all right, well, maybe not a combo, but it works well with um, uh, Levon. So Levon is the red uh, dragonborn uh, chooser who, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, she gets plus X plus O until end of turn. And so this is a way to like get you more fuel for the that's, that cast trigger and also another way to pump her up. So that mm-hmm. could be good if you're trying to do just like a red spell slinger kind of thing. Otherwise, it's just you draw a card every turn and a red color identity, and that seems fine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I pretty much agree wholeheartedly with that sentiment. Like, even if you just need red to like be in color, like this is a pretty, pretty okay <laughs> background for that because like you don't have to attack to get the card like some of the other ones uh like the guild artisan is like you get treasure but only if you attack mm-hmm. it's not true with tavern brawler you get your value whether you want to attack with your your commander or not so yeah i'm into this one too they left two bangers out of the of the spoiler season <laughs> we didn't get them till the whole set was revealed so um oops <laughs> oh wow yeah just very funny but um do you want to move on to the multicolored legends? Um, yes. None of these have choose a background. These are all like classic, if you want to call it that, like multicolor legends. Yeah. For the most sure. part. Sure. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm going to start off with the Council of Four. This is three white blue for a zero eight legendary creature, human noble. Whenever a player draws their second card during their turn, you draw a card. Whenever a player casts their second spell during their turn, you create a 2-2 white knight creature token. Um, so this is interesting. Uh, like, if your opponents are playing at instant speed and like spreading out their spells or like perhaps drawing cards at the end of an opponent's turn, then this isn't going to do very much like you're able to trigger it on your turn i think you can reliably get one card and one night per turn um you could probably get 
probably get multiple nights. Um, we'll. Hmm. <laughs> it's, it, it really is dependent on your metagame. If people are really packing a lot of instants, running a lot of um, activated abilities and ways to, to spend their mana on their opponent's turns, this is not going to do a whole lot. And it is a lot of mana for this effect. Like, it's, it's going to be tricky to, say, cast another spell or draw an extra card on the turn you cast this because it already costs five mana so it's like okay i'll just tap out on turn five or whatever or turn four maybe with acceleration for my zero eight and then pass the round of turns you know maybe my opponents can play around it and then maybe start getting some guaranteed value on on my following turn uh i just think this probably should have been a bit cheaper mm-hmm. uh and it is unfortunate that it doesn't give you like a ton of room to build around. Um, yeah, I mean, that's actually if I can pick up from that point is like, I think what the build around on this is, is like Howling Mine and stuff like that, like stuff that's like either forcing your opponents to draw multiple times or encouraging them to cast multiple spells. And I think you're right, like something that I've noticed with like Mangara the Diplomat when that card came out, I jammed it basically into every white deck that I had just to, mm-hmm. just to see. And it was not good at the time with our meta. Um, there were many turns I didn't draw the extra card. Um, usually I'd get the attack trigger and that was it. Because um, Mangara, just for those who might not remember, is a white creature. Whenever an opponent attacks with two or more creatures, uh, if they're attacking a, you or a Planeswalker, you control, you draw a card. And whenever an opponent casts their second spell each turn, you draw a card. So the, potentially a ton of cards in a round because it's it's each player each turn um, can cast two spells and make you draw cards and so it it promised something that I was not receiving. But what's happened recently is that like Mangara has been good. I started putting Mangara back into decks in our meta, and I I know other people have been doing the same. Have been like really into Mangara, so I think like. In a lot of people's meta, this is going to trigger. Like you said, it's really meta dependent, but it's going to trigger if um, you're already running something like Mangara. And I honestly think this is like kind of a silly group hug list. Like some for you, more for me. Um, and the the fact that it's a five mana commander kind of also pushes me to believe that. Because like when we were looking at the casual commanders from like the new Capenna spoilers. The casual ones were always like five plus mana, and the competitive <laughs> ones are always like three mana. Mm-hmm. So I'm that's another reason I'm kind of assuming that that's what this is. This is a group hug deck. Like here's some cards. Also, I get one. Here's some like spells. Also, I get one. Like and and if you're giving people cards, they're more likely to cast two spells in a turn at least at some mm-hmm. point. So that uh, that's I don't know if that's how it's going to play out, but that's what it looks like for me. So, some really good points there. Uh, also, I want to um, uh, sort of focus in on, on something you said. Like, I do agree that like the the casting second spell cards are getting better over time because uh, you know we've seen sort of like the the average mana value of cards in Commander go down over time, and so as that creeps down, you're gonna see a lot more turns where I cast a three drop and a two drop rather than I cast one five drop five drop. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's so that's a good point. Like it is worth keeping. It is worth like 
changing your or sort of like updating your your priors on this ability because you know five ten years ago it was a lot worse than it is now yeah absolutely um and i don't have nearly as much to say about our next commander um even though he is very cool (laughs) and i'm really (laughs) into him because the council of four is pretty weird but uh can i read off this next guy yes go for it all right so this is elminster this is a legendary planeswalker elminster and they have the text uh they can be your commander he has a static ability whenever you scry the next instant or sorcery spell you cast this turn costs x less to cast where x is the number of cards looked at while scrying this way kind of interesting wording and then he has two loyalty abilities plus two draw a card then scry two and then minus three Exile the top card of your library. Create a number of 1-1 blue fairy dragon creature tokens with flying equal to the card's mana value. And then, of course, he can be your commander. And he starts at 5 loyalty. So 5 mana, comes down for 5. Can immediately jump up to 7 and set up your next, like, spell, (laughs) basically. Mm -hmm. Give you some scry, save you some mana. So it, it doesn't seem crazy to me to cast Elminster and still cast some more spells in the same turn yeah <laughs> there, there's some cool tech in this deck um one the thing that really stands out is mystic speculation so mystic speculation is a single blue mana sorcery it has buyback for two uh and scry three so essentially like you cast it once then the next spell you cast is reduced by three so you can then uh buy back it again um and then basically you just pay one blue to scry three as many times as you're able to afford um, so that's really good at digging through your deck pretty efficiently and also setting up his other abilities, like either, you know, drawing exactly the, the perfect card or you're, you're scrying something really expensive to the top so that you can then exile it and get a huge board full of tokens. Um, and there are some some really good ways to capitalize on all those fairy dragon creature tokens, like in a white blue color identity, you have access to the the classic Biden of Thassa reconnaissance mission, um, coastal piracy effects, mm-hmm. and then there's a couple ways to to really make that into a, a formidable force if you've got like a Cathar's Crusade or, or something similar. Yeah, so, white tends so, to just add the beef here. There's not like a lot of like fun spells <laughs> that like white is adding with this commander. Yeah, uh, so it it seems pretty neat. I I'm little concerned like like five mana is on the more expensive side and it does you do have to do a little work beforehand either to set it up so that he can come down and immediately make a a board full of blockers um but i think it's a an an interesting commander sort of white blue lots of tokens uh isn't something we see too much of maybe it's it's kind of similar to the new kangi from Mm -hmm. the last uh, commander legend set yeah i think so too i think this is really cool i i i don't think well i don't want to say that because i think people can brew i i at this point i don't think it's a super crazy interesting deck like you're gonna play with some funny cards and it allows you to play with some cards that don't normally see a lot of play like big mana spells and in like white or something like that um some of which we're getting in the set um but I really like this guy. I think he's really cool. I think they did Elminster Justice. This is pretty fun. Uh, and you get to see him in his cool uh, big red hat with his cool staff. And yeah, I think 
I think fans of the character will be happy with this card. Mm-hmm. Very classic wizard look. Yes. All right, moving on to the next commander. This is OG, the Exquisite Blade. Uh, two white blue for a 2-3 legendary creature human monk. When OG that enters the battlefield, you gain two life and scry two. Whenever you cast your second spell each turn, exile up to one target creature you control, then return it to the battlefield under its owner's control. So it's... Uh, I mean, I mean, I don't think there's a, a ton to do with the ETB. It's really about the the cast trigger and blinking things. And unfortunately, this isn't a color identity where it's competing with Brago. It's competing with Yorion. <laughs> there are very powerful existing blink options um, at a similar price point. So I don't know if it's going to really upset the those two in terms of beating them out for on on edh for for example yeah but what do you think about og um i just like when they make new versions of things we've seen before like i i think there is value in like tweaking an archetype that we've seen a little bit or moving something in a different direction so that either you get to play with some slightly different cards like let's say you liked brago but your playgroup didn't like brago well okay now you can tone it down with og or maybe in some point in the future there's enough like white flash two drops that draw a card that OG is like more interesting, you know, and, and you get to play with this funny deck of little weenies that all flash in constantly. So I like when they push archetypes in different directions like this. I, I totally get that he's not the strongest, but um, I think someone out there will be happy to see this. And yeah, it seems fun. I don't know. That's that's kind of, <laughs> you're going to hear me say that a lot. Like, not crazy strong, but seems fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was pretty much the mark they were trying to hit, except for this next guy. Um, do you want me to read him off and you get into him? Sure. So, okay, can you actually correct me on his name? It's John Irenicus. I have Irenicus? no experience with Baldur's Gate. I, I'm going to go with Irenicus. Okay, so this is John Irenicus, Shattered One. Uh, this is a 3-3 elf wizard. For four mana, uh, two blue-black. So this is a Demir Elf. At the beginning of your end step, target opponent gains control of up to one target creature you control. Put two plus one plus one counters on it and tap it. It's goaded for the rest of the game and it gains. This creature can't be sacrificed. And then he has one more ability. Whenever a creature you own but don't control attacks, you draw a card. So this is a rare uh, and... You know what? What do you do with this guy, Nick? This is the most interesting commander in the set. And and I'm saying that, you know, when it has like 60 competitors or something. Um, so here's basically the, the reason this guy, I think this guy is so interesting is because he's by far the best commander. If your goal is to tie the game. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so like that little trinket text line of like it gains this creature can't be sacrificed uh is actually really the most important part of the card because <laughs> it's it, crazy because there it is really weird uh there are a fair number of creatures out there um that ha- like you know back in the day they they were really keen on like flavor and and making the card match the flavor even if it led to like a worse card um 
So they, for a very brief time, they had this ability called Island Home. Uh, and the idea was that any creature that couldn't survive out of water had Island Home. And what that meant was um, the if you had no islands, you would have to sacrifice the creature because like, how is your shark going to survive if there's no water? And if your opponent can't doesn't have any islands, then it can't attack. Because of course, like, how is it going to get? How is a shark going to get to them if they're on land? Uh, it was a very bad ability. Yeah, <laughs> but they put it on a lot of creatures, and those creatures are are what are so important to this deck because all you have to do is have one of those creatures out, and then donate it to your opponent using John Arenicus. And if it has the ability, it can't be sacrificed. And it has this trigger where if you have no islands, you have to sacrifice it. Well, you give it to somebody without any islands, then the ability will trigger. Oh, you're supposed to sacrifice this. And then its other ability will prevent that from happening. And then the, the first ability will check again and see, oh, I have no islands. I have to sacrifice this. So unless somebody has removal at that instant, uh, it just creates this infinite, uninterruptible loop where... Uh, the, and eventually the game is a draw because it can't progress as long as this ability keeps triggering and and failing to do anything. So the deck is just about running a whole bunch of cards like that. There also are there's, there's one or two other creatures that kind of slot in. Like it is possible to still win even if um, your opponents are all running islands because there's like Phylactery Lich uh, where it enters the battlefield, you put a counter on an artifact you control and then when you control no permanence with phylactery counters on them you have to sacrifice it so if you give that away uh even if all your opponents have islands it's probably unlikely that they're all going to have permanence with phylactery counters on them um so that's worth checking out um there, there's so really like the the heart of the deck is you're kind of playing a control game and trying to find these these terrible, terrible creatures, getting one on the battlefield and then dropping drawn and passing it away and either hoping nobody has removal or, or like keeping counter spells up so that you can interact with that removal. But it's a pretty neat deck. Definitely one of the most unique I've ever seen. Uh, and if you're interested in tying the game, you should check it out. Personally, I think that tying the game is the same as winning the game we had a whole episode on this subject so you can check that out if you're interested in other ways to to tie the game in commander but i think we can move on to the next legend unless you have any thoughts about john arenicus no no i just am as i'm amazed that they printed this card <laughs> <laughs> it's like very e it, they made it so easy that i'm just surprised but doesn't mean I don't like him. I just am like, wow, I, I never would have guessed. Um, this next one could have guessed a million times. Uh, so can I read this one off? Yes, please go this, ahead. Yeah, this is Rilsa Rail Kingpin. Uh, this is a 2-5 human rogue for 5 mana, 3 blue-black. They have death touch. Uh, when Rilsa Ray... Ooh, when... Man. <laughs> when Rilsa Rail enters the battlefield you take the initiative uh and the initiative uh if uh i guess this is the first time we really talked about this episode it's kind of like a mix between the monarch and a dungeon like a uh, venture into the dungeon from forgotten realms so if you're listening to this you probably know but like if you have the initiative at the beginning of your turn or when you play a card that says you take the initiative 
you venture into the Undercity, which is a very specific dungeon. Everyone has their own Undercity, uh, and it, yeah. So you can either listen to our last episode at the very beginning to hear more about it. Uh, you can read it online. I'm going to keep moving. Uh, whenever you attack, target attacking creature gains death touch until end of turn. If you've completed a dungeon, this creature also gets plus five plus O and gains first strike and menace until end of turn. Um, so, I mean, it's, I think the easiest way to complete the Undercity is just to like blink one of these things, you know, just like mm-hmm. blinking your commander that says venture into, uh, or you take the initiative. Um, and if you have completed a dungeon, she is a three turn clock because she attacks as a seven, five death touch menace first strike. So <laughs> pretty much nothing is blocking that. <laughs> I would honestly like gladly give away that second ability, like the you know the menace, death touch, whatever. Um, if I could get a couple mana shaved off of this, because I I like the idea <laughs> of a commander that just introduces the initiative, and it is a shame that uh, it costs five mana. Yeah, I think honestly, what they did with this is they th- that ability was their excuse to make it cost five. Because I agree with you, I think like a three mana commander that like. Maybe you got like some minor benefit. You're like scry one at the beginning of your upkeep. If you have the initiative, if you completed a, a dungeon, like scry three and draw a card. Like it was something stupid. But mm-hmm. um, I think the reason is that they put the ability there is because they wanted this to be more mana. Um, they wanted it to be more casual. You know, which is uh, which is kind of a shame. Like this is I, I think you know games with the monarch or game and are. Games with the Monarch are more fun than games without. I think that's probably also true of the initiative. And so I don't know why they would want to raise the barrier to entry to get yeah. the initiative going. Absolutely. I mean, I agree with you. Like, I, I wrote a lot of things about this uh, this card, but most of them don't really matter. Like, basically, like the other dungeon cards from AFR help because some of them only have four rooms and you can complete it really quickly. But for the most part, this is just a very casual commander. Like the fact that, like you said, it sits at five means you're not actually going to be able to uh, get your game plan moving most of the time unless you are playing with the other cards from AFR that venture into the dungeon. So, but a lot, a, of, a lot of those in, in this color identity are also relatively expensive, like four or five That's mana. True. Yeah, or, or just bad. Like, like, I think Fly is the best one. Uh, and oh no, there's the Yuanti. I guess there's. Like oh, oh sorry, blue. sorry. I'm thinking about taking the initiative rather than oh. venturing, <laughs> or venturing into the dungeon. Yeah. yeah, no, that's also true though. Is the definitely they really are pricing you up with that initiative. So yeah, we'll we'll talk more about that as we get through the set. But um, do you want to get into the uh, next commander? Sure. Um, so the next commander is tasha the witch queen she is three blue black for a four loyalty legendary planeswalker tasha whenever you cast a spell you don't own create a three three black demon creature token she has plus one draw a card for each opponent exile up to one target instant or sorcery card from that player's graveyard and put a page counter on it minus three you may cast a spell from among cards in exile with page counters on them without paying its mana cost and tasha the witch queen can be your commander I think this is playing into a really interesting design space. I like seeing the reward for all these blue and black cards where you're like pulling card, like 
you know, Gonti or whatever, or Praetor's Grasp. There's a lot of ways in this color identity to trigger her. But being a planeswalker makes her a bit vulnerable. Being five mana makes it, you know, so it's without acceleration, you're waiting until turn six to actually start getting your game plan going. I think that I, I just wish she was a little bit cheaper or or maybe even not a planeswalker. Like you mm. just really the the part of this card that matters is the tr- the triggered ability and you could put that on a cheap creature easily and I can <laughs> I could do the rest of the work just fine. I don't need all yeah. these fancy loyalty counters. Yeah, it's kind of the same, I think. Um I I feel pretty much the same where I I really like Tasha. I really like the spaces is playing in and being that it is really new territory cuz like the demons don't even fly or anything like Mm -hmm. that so they're just like three threes so um not a crazy strong reward for jumping through like such a big hoop and i think part of that is because like you (laughs) it's kind of like getting dessert with your dessert you're like i stole their card and then also get a three three like i'm kind of getting card advantage from this and also getting a three three so i think they didn't want to juice it too hard but like there's also the i think it's just true that usually if you like siphon inside somebody it's worse than if you just like thirst for discovery on your turn mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like like uh i'd rather play with my own cards because i know they are good yeah I can't it, trust you guys to run good cards yeah or or like you're it's down to you and the jet mirror player and you siphon insight and you hit their like like thing servo exhibition or yeah. hurling outburst yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly so so kind of unwieldy and that's something that appeals to people and hence she costs five mana so mm-hmm. i think again this is something they put like a fun play pattern on a card that costs five and i really like tasha i actually have been slacking on building tasha on cockatrice just at sea but i think it's just something people like it's a character people really like um and I think it's the first time a lot of people have seen her because <laughs> her name is on a lot of spells in the 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 player's handbook and the the her hideous laughter, of course. Yeah, hideous laughter is a very famous one, but um, I don't know if a lot of people know. Well, I mean, a, a lot of old gamers know about her, but I think for like most people who play D anD D at this point, they probably have only ever used her laughter. <laughs> they have never actually like learned about her, so um it's i think it's cool to like get a depiction of her um in like popular gaming culture again after like oh god probably like 20 years or something like <laughs> something crazy um but do you want to move on to the next guy yes uh so the next guy is mahadi emporium master uh it is one black red for a three three legendary creature cat devil at the beginning of your end step, create a treasure token for each creature that died this turn. Uh, so this is actually extremely similar to an existing commander. Um, yeah. So Gadrak, <laughs> uh, the Crown Scourge, has pretty much the same line of text. Um, although it is notable that Mahadi triggers off of token creatures dying where Gadrak does not. Um, but so it's like kind of existing space uh the the adding black to the color identity gives you a lot more options for good removal and especially like one-sided removal 
Um, you can do things like play, uh, you know, and oh, what's it called? Uh, Hellfire. You can play overwhelming forces, things that blow up or gar- in Garak's wake, uh, just things that blow up your opponent's creatures and then you get to net a huge amount of mana. That's a possibility. It is also nice that like, yes, overwhelming forces in, in Garg's wake are super expensive spells, but he's going to give you the treasury to help set those up. So they're a little more playable than normal. Um, he's just a, an, an interesting fair little commander. I, I like, I think this is like the first commander we talked about today that costs less than four mana. <laughs> so that makes me a little more inclined to like him. Um, but what do you think about Mahadi? Yeah, I, I actually really like this guy. I think the three means that you're getting your game plan down early. Um, he rewards you for like an infinite death loop, but like fairly <laughs> by mm-hmm. not giving it to you at the end of the turn. And I think, but yeah, adding black really adds a lot to this deck. And I I don't know. I think he's cool. I, I think that people will be able to build this and have a fun time and it'll lead to some fun stories. And um, yeah, you can kind of go crazy and you'll know you'll get your pay your payout even if it's not like an immediate i win which i think most tables will appreciate so yeah it definitely seems better if you're in a, like a color and or in a play group rather um that runs a lot of small dorks because three yes. toughness is enough that you could maybe like pyroclasm or, or well maybe more like um uh fiery confluence to clear out small creatures and mahadi will survive mm-hmm. so Oh, there's fun things to do with him. <laughs> do you want to move on to this next guy? Yeah. Uh, you want to read him off? Sure. So this is Raphael Fiendish Savior. So Raphael is a 4-4 Devil Noble with flying for 5 mana, 3 black red. And he has other demon, devils, imps, teef, and sorry, other demon, devils, imps, and tieflings you control get plus 1, plus 1, and have lifelink, very important. And at the beginning of each end step, if a creature card was put into your graveyard from anywhere this turn, create a 1-1 red devil creature token. When when this creature dies, it deals one damage to any target. Um, yeah, how do you how do you feel about this guy? So I've complained about like this specific line of text as a tribal reward before. Uh, it it was not good enough for Lyra so much so that they eventually had to come back around and make Giada. It's better here because the color identity has more things to do with it so in this color identity there's ways to pay life so the the lifelink granted by Raphael can actually sort of fuel like your necropotence or your fire covenant there's a couple neat ways to just convert life into other resources and and so you're happy to have a commander that can then restore it um it also is a good color identity for just like group slug effects. So if you put in like a mana barbs or something similar, um, I mean, there's a lot of effects like that in this color identity that you've probably seen like a Mogus deck that that runs a lot of them. So this is a good way to break symmetry on those as long as you're careful not to run the ones that prevent you from gaining life. Um, this will keep you at a much higher life total than your opponents as you're as they're having to deal with like taking damage every time they tap a land or whatever um another thing that's important to note is tortured existence is very very good in this deck 
So tortured existence is a single black <laughs> mana for an enchantment. You can pay black, discard a creature card, return to a creature card from a graveyard to your hand. And as long as you have that on the battlefield and a creature card in your hand and one in your graveyard, you can trigger uh, Raphael's ability, this this token creation ability, every single turn. So if you just have a couple black mana open, you can do this and and untap on your turn with a bunch more devils than you had before. So that's a nice little piece of tech for the deck. Um, I've got a list in the episode description. I even, you know, despite all those synergies, I don't think this is a very good deck. Like, um, <laughs> there's just uh, there's only so much you can do when your creature types being rewarded are pretty narrow, and also the the reward is not incredibly strong. Um, but I think it's a fun one for more casual tables, uh, and you can check it out if this sounded interesting to you. Yeah, I think that's again it's a fun play pattern, but casual price tag. So mm-hmm. um, I, once again, so <laughs> uh, keep keep a tally going. Um, can I read off this next guy? Yes. There's uh, he has a lot of words, but there's not a lot say about them um this is minsk and boo timeless heroes uh they are a planeswalker that has the text uh, they can be your commander they start at three loyalty they have four mv so two red green to cast they have the static ability when minsk and boo timeless heroes enter the battlefield and at the beginning of your upkeep you may create a boo a legendary one one red hamster creature token with trample and haste so you always got boo around uh, you get plus one, put three plus one plus one counters on up to one target creature with trample or haste. So kind of kind of silly. You got to pick something with trample or haste to get the counters. And then minus two, sacrifice a creature. When you do, Minsk and Boo, Timeless Hero, deal X damage to any target where X is the creature's power. If the sacrificed creature was a hamster, draw X cards. <laughs> um, so yeah, what do you what do you think about this guy? So I think it's pretty neat. It's cool that it um, replenishes the the sack fodder. Uh, I feel like so it's it's not easy to protect Minsk. He doesn't come in with a lot of loyalty, and he doesn't grow his loyalty very fast either. Um, so I feel like probably going to want to run a lot of board control or ways to divert attacks away from you. Maybe that means goading. Um, there are a lot of ways to to just like make boo huge. I, I feel like I mean the drawing X sacrificing a, a hamster to draw X cards, that's really what you want to be doing here. Um so you can either run things like a grafted war gear or hero's blade. Um just ways to make boo big immediately when he comes in every turn without investing like more mana to equip him. And then just sacrificing him and drawing like, you know, four to seven cards sounds fantastic. Uh, So I I feel like that's really the main benefit of this commander is just being able to draw tons of cards by suiting up a boo. Um, But protecting him sounds really tricky. And like when he comes in with three loyalty, like doing a minus two every turn is not sustainable. You maybe want to run some proliferate effects. Seems a little tricky. What do you think about um, 
what do you think about Minskin Boo? Like any any tech you would also want to fit in there? Um, well, the plus one plus one counters is a big one, uh, and like it's a proliferation. Um, I think you hit the big things. Like it is hard to keep around, but also like because you're in red green, you can run like the sweeper spells, the like the anger of the gods and whatnots, and like try to keep little things off of him. You could try to goad. We're getting even more goad things in this set. Um, keeping him alive is the problem, but it's not like crazy threatening. Uh, and there's so many pieces to like make this work efficiently that I don't think it's going to be very threatening. Um, changelings do work. You can sacrifice changelings to draw cards, but um, if they don't have trample or haste, you can't put counters on them without help from an outside source so um (laughs) that's kind of it like a very weird design and i think this is for people who are fans of these two um more so than just like new design space it does you you are going to get to play with an interesting combination of cards but uh again it's uh it's kind of (laughs) silly Well, I'm happy to move on to the next commander, which is a real banger. Uh, this is Raga Draga Gorgut's Boss. Two red green for a 4 4 legendary creature, Human Boar. Each creature you control with a mana ability gets plus two plus two. Whenever a creature you control with a mana ability attacks, untap it. And whenever you cast a spell, if at least seven mana was spent to cast it, untap target creature, it gets plus seven plus seven and gains trample until end of turn. So, uh, one very important thing I want to do is clarify exactly what a mana ability is, because it's not intuitive at all. Um, like, Burgi, uh, the, the god of boasting or whatever, who like adds mana whenever you cast a spell, that is not a mana ability. Lotus Cobra, who adds mana on landfall, that is not a mana ability. Grand Warlord Rada, who adds mana when she attacks, that's not a mana ability. So, very quickly, there's two kinds of mana abilities. Activated mana abilities and triggered mana abilities. An activated ability is a mana ability if it meets all of the following criteria. It doesn't require a target. It could add mana to a player's mana pool when it resolves, and it's not a loyalty ability. So, Planeswalkers can't can't have mana abilities. and then a triggered ability is a man. Actually, well, I, I spoke too soon. A triggered ability is a man ability if it meets all of the following criteria. It doesn't require a target. It triggers from the activation or resolution of an activated mana ability or from mana being added to a player's mana pool. And it could add mana to a player's mana pool when it resolves. So just a little clarification there. Um, so like Koth of the Hammer, his minus two that adds red for each man- mountain you control not a mana ability because uh, it's a loyalty ability. But Nissa who shakes the world uh, because it's a triggered ability that triggers from the activation of something that adding green mana um, that does count as a mana ability. So very confusing. I recommend looking at the rules or maybe checking out some rulings if that is still confusing to you. But what this means is you got to be extremely careful when building your Gorguts deck because, or your, your Ragga Draga Gorguts boss deck 
because there's just a lot of things that seem like they would work and will not get pumped by him or will not be untapped by him. That being said, this deck yes. <laughs> seems very, very good. This deck yes. seems awesome. Um, this deck actually is like crazy strong. Yeah, so they're, I mean, like, mana dorks are already one of the better things you can do in green. They're just so cheap and they accelerate you a lot relative to their mana cost. Getting a, a, a big reward for this thing you were kind of happy to do anyway is really nice. Um, so like swinging in with your guys and then also being able to tap them later for mana is really, really sweet. I love that play style. Um, so in addition to running just, oh, oh, and, and there's like a lot of synergy with um, mana dorks that add mana based on their power. So like Viridian Joiner, two and a green for a one, two tap, add an amount of green equal to Viridian Joiner's power. Um, kind of similar thing with like Silvala Heart of the Wilds, Marwin the Nurturer. Um, and there's just a fair number. Oh, and Heron Blade Elite, the, the card from the Midnight Hunt Commander decks. So a lot of cards that just naturally add a ton of mana when Ragged Rag is on the battlefield. Uh, and then once you have a whole bunch of guys on the board and they're all big and you're able to attack with all of them, then you can just like get a crater hoof and win. Uh, although there's other things you could do too, like aggravated assault is a natural uh, combo with this deck because you're you're wanting to attack with all your mana dorks and you have a ton of them. Um, other extra combat step effects are, are also very good. Uh, it's just a really sweet, powerful deck. Yeah, I think it will be a lot of fun to play. I agree. No, I think this is really interesting because we've been going like casual, 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 and then the Duck Duck Goose landed on Raga Draga as <laughs> like one of the more powerful commanders. So very, very into him. I think it's a really cool deck, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. So um, I think with all that said, do you mind if I get into the next commander? Go for it. So this is Thrakus the Butcher. Uh, this is a 3-4 Dragon Peasant with Trample for 5 mana, 3 red-green. And when whenever Thrakus the Butcher attacks, double the power of each dragon you control until end of turn. So, attacks is a 6-4 trample. Um, all your other dragons attack as big. Um, I think this is pretty good, even though it doesn't have flying and it costs 5 mana. I think you'll be able to kill people pretty fast. Red-green... As you were just saying, has a lot of mana dorks, a lot of acceleration. Um, I think if you want to, this is just another good gruel dragon beat face commander. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really surprising how easy it is to get to twenty plus or twenty one plus commander damage with Thrakus. Like just a giant growth and an assault strobe, just like any plus three power effect and any double strike effect makes 24 commander damage with Thrakus. So uh, it's not, it, it just seems super easy to assemble the pieces needed to kill somebody. The tricky part, I guess, is, you know, he does cost five mana. It will take you a little time to get him down and get him swinging. Um, but once he is like in the red zone, your opponents should be very, very afraid. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And he doesn't look like much, I think is the big thing too. Like 
if you uh, are not honed in on like how much this can be in an attack, like you're like, oh, you spent five mana on a three four, and <laughs> then you're dead next turn. So, mm-hmm. um, something f- another fun thing this is true with old Atarka and with Thrakus is that uh, Inferno of the Star Mounts can actually do its thing in a deck like this. Uh, Inferno of the Star Mounts has uh, fire breathing, and if you activate the fire breathing and its power is twenty, you deal. Is it you deal twenty to a target? Is that what it is? I believe so. Yeah, it just like explodes on somebody. So if you pay a little bit of mana, uh, like get them, like pay three for your Inferno of the Star Mounts, attack with Thrakus and Inferno of the Star Mounts, and then pay two more mana. Um, you can dome somebody for twenty, and also hit somebody in the air for twenty. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, that's a fun thing. Um, that both Atarka one and Thrakus have going. So. Um, I think there will be a deck list for this guy. So if you're interested, you'll be able to kind of see what Nick thought up. Um, and do you want to move on? Yes. Uh, so next we have Kadira, Caller of the Small. This is one green-white for a 3-3 legendary creature orc ranger. She has trample. Whenever Kadira, Caller of the Small, deals combat damage to a player, for each token you control, create a 1-1 one, one white rabbit creature token uh so this is really interesting as a an exponential growth engine it's kind of uh, i mean it's it's kind of like the the white green krenko really um, yeah really provided you're able to continually get in with her you can just make enormous amounts of tokens very very quickly um i i don't think it's like even just like you know, turn two, playing a raise the alarm or something. Turn three, playing Kadira. Turn four, playing like something that makes three to four tokens. Cracking in with her. Now you're up to ten tokens. You know, you're you're extremely close to threatening lethal when you turn things sideways on turn five. Like that. That is not a difficult sequence to assemble by any means. There's a million token generators that like fit those points on the curve um so really is if you can just reliably get in with her uh, and you probably need to run some ways in your deck to ensure that happens uh it's well i i I think you can just threaten enormous beats early in the game but the hardest part is probably just going to be like pumping up your guys pumping up your tokens Mm -hmm. to a large enough size but you know you've got your your Beastmaster Ascension, you've got your Cathar's Crusade, you've yeah. got similar things. Yeah, if there was any color that shouldn't have a hard time or any color pair that shouldn't have a hard time, it is green-white. <laughs> this is <laughs> absolutely their wheelhouse. So, yeah, I I really like Gadira. I think this is really cool. Um, and again, another like cheap, strong commander in a sea of uh, fun, casual builds. So... Um, speaking of fun casual builds, <laughs> uh, can I read off this next guy? Mm-hmm. So this is Glunch the Bestower. Uh, Glunch is a zero five jellyfish with flying for three mana, one green white. They have at the beginning of your end step, choose a player. They put two plus one plus one counters on a creature they control. Choose a second player to draw a card, and choose a third player to create two treasure tokens. Um. I mean, other than the booty bump deck, the toughness matters deck, 
this guy's nothing really to write home about. Um, if you want a group hug, well, here's here's another one. Um, yeah, it. <laughs> the, yeah. There's nothing else really going on. Like, there's not really an angle. Like with the Council of the Four, there's kind of angles you could take it to like build around or whatever, but you can't really do that here. Yeah, you gotta give something away. Yeah, this is just he's just Glunch. Mm-hmm. He's glunching. You could be glunching if you want, but I'm don't know why you would. But if if glunching's what you like, then you should do it. You know? We well, could be glunching, but you playing. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Um I don't know. Do you want to move on to <laughs> the next yes. one? Uh next yeah. guy is Asterian the Decadent. It is four white and black for a 4-4 legendary creature, vampire, elf, rogue. It has death touch and lifelink. And at the beginning of your end step, choose one. Feed. Target opponent loses life equal to the amount of life they lost this turn. Or friends. You gain life equal to the amount of life you gained this turn. Um, so there's some fun things to do with this. Blood tribute comes to mind. Uh. Blood Tribute is a six mana sorcery. Target player loses half their life. And uh, you can kick a spell by tapping an untapped vampire you control. And if you kicked it, then you gain that much life. So if you do that, you you know, somebody loses half their life and then Asterion finishes the job. Um, meanwhile, you gain a ton of life in the process. Uh, other things, there's a couple other ways to like make players just lose tons of life. Um, here into the abyss, uh, Virtus the Veiled, um, Ebon Blade Reaper. So it is, uh, it is six mana though. This is a lot <laughs> of mana. I know. I thought this color was identity un- without ramp. Yeah, I thought this was uncommon the first time I saw it because I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, six mana for a four four death touch lifelink. And then I was like, oh no, <laughs> J.K. <laughs> <laughs> they really are like pricing this in the like you're gonna make someone die in a turn mode of this um i think this guy would be uh more interesting if those things were flipped i think like if the feed was like target opponent loses life equal to the amount of life you gained this turn and friends was gain life equal to the amount of like life your opponents lost this turn i think those would be a lot more fun and interesting as it stands now like you don't have to kick your vampire spell to kill somebody. I mean, you can, and you probably will because he's a vampire, but like it, it just seems like that's a slightly more fun way if you inverted it. But um, yeah, six mana commander uh, instagib. There's not really too much to, to say <laughs> about it past <laughs> what you said. So uh, do you want to get onto this next one, which is really interesting, actually? Yeah, uh, so this next one is Minthara, Merciless Soul. It is two white-black for a 2-2 legendary creature elf cleric. It has Ward X, where X is the number of experience counters you have. At the beginning of your end step, if a permanent you controlled left the battlefield this turn, you get an experience counter. And creatures you control get plus one plus O for each experience counter you have. So, this is such i i mean it's it's a big surprise that they brought back experience counters um i i'm i'm curious like sort of what the flavor connection is here maybe she's like some sort of adventurer but um 
it's I don't think it's too hard to get the experience counter trigger. Like all you really have to do is crack a fetch land and there's a lot of other ways in addition to that. Um but one experience per turn is a little bit slow. Like it was nice that with a lot of the experience counter commanders from uh gosh, C fourteen, C fifteen. Yeah, I think um, that's what it was. Uh, you, you could get it multiple times in a turn, and there's not a really easy way to game the system here. Um, also, like this isn't an enormous reward for accruing experience counters. Like plus one plus O is like I'm, you know, I uh, you're gonna I'm not gonna get out of bed in the morning for that. It's only after you get like maybe two to three experience counters that I really start paying attention, and that requires Minthara living a lot um like just staying on the board for a very long time uh, I, I will say that with other commanders that involve experience counters like daxos the return or kelsey and the plague uh you know she's a a good way to supplement that plan mm-hmm. but i'm not too excited with her as a commander although it is worth noting like you know you're you there are some decent proliferate cards in this color identity you can run like a grateful apparition and and speed that process up a little bit yeah i i don't really have much to add i think it's really cool i've been waiting for like like when they printed kelsey and i was like oh okay cool they're gonna slowly print more experience counter commanders over time so i've been waiting for them to do more of them but i I would have liked to have one in another color identity that didn't already have like <laughs> like we've gotten this is the third one with white and black in well it. i mean they, they are additive like um, yeah that's true I, i'm okay with them concentrate like having this be i guess the black white part of the color buy is experience counters for some reason yeah, um, yeah. and lord knows daxos needs it so <laughs> <laughs> so not, i'm not super upset about that but yeah it, it's interesting that they put it here um still i don't know i like i like this card so um I guess, do you want to move on to the uh, the next commander? Yes. Uh, you want to read this one off? Yeah, and I, and I will say it took me a little bit to understand how this creature worked. <laughs> so <laughs> this is Baba Lissaga, Night Witch, a 3-3 three, three human warlock for three mana, one black green. They just have an activated ability. Tap, sacrifice, up to three permanents. If there were three or more card types among the sacrificed permanents, each opponent loses three life, you gain three life, and you draw three cards. Um, so up to is the key word there. You could sack a goblin token, a food token, and like an enchantment, and that would satisfy it. Or you could sacrifice a blink moth nexus that you animated with its own ability and get the same trigger. So, um, being that the Blink Moth Nexus was an artifact, a creature, and a land all in one card. So it's really just counting the card types. If you have a card that can match multiple types, then those are pretty good in this list. Um, do you have any any thoughts about this? Is there any cool insights you were able to find? Uh, so I, I it's it is cute that like man lands that turn into artifacts will. Uh, get you all the way there i'm a little hesitant to sacrifice my lands but i think yeah. there's uh, a lot of ways in this colored nd to 
uh, just get you to like sort of cheat it with like repeatable sack fodder or whatever. Like if you have things that generate artifact creature tokens, um, that'll get you two out of three. And then like uh, Rancor, Spreading Algae, Despondency, there, there's a, several cycles of cheap auras that return to your hand when they go to the, ba- the graveyard from the battlefield. So I would try to run all of those because it's just such easy, cheap sack fodder mm-hmm. for this ability. Um, uh, I think it's a pretty neat little commander. It I mean, drawing three cards repeatedly is cool. I don't know if there's a whole lot of build around other than just making sure that you have the right sack fodder available. Yeah. Yeah, there's like not too much going on here. I mean, you can build around um, some of the uh, life gain cards that we got from the Witherbloom deck that like make a 4-4 trample when you gain life. You can, um, yeah, put a bunch of funny cards in your deck because they're multiple types like the enchantment creatures and like artifact creatures and whatnot but yeah this isn't like a crazy uh strong build path necessarily like Mm -hmm. you're not like the the reward is like the gameplay of it the fact that you keep churning through your deck um and unless you have like some kind of crawl or like death triggers going that give you creatures when things die or something like all you're kind of doing is spinning your wheels. So you got to have some way to make the wheels push the cart, so mm-hmm. to speak, to use that metaphor. Like, you can't just be drawing cards and not having a board every turn. <laughs> yeah. Got to do something eventually. Um, that said, uh, do you want to get into the next commander? Sure. Um, so the next commander is Kaga Shadow Archdruid. It is two black green for a 1-4 legendary creature elf druid. Whenever Kaga attacks, it gains death touch until end of turn, mill two cards. And then once during each of your turns, you may play a land or cast a permanent spell from among cards in your graveyard that were put there from your library this turn. Uh, I, I think the, the hoop is very large in the sense that it's, it's pretty easy to get this to do its thing but the reward is not that good. Like you're, if you do the thing, if you mill yourself and hit something good, then you get one free card per turn, essentially. Uh, Granted, like, you know, there's a lot of things like Grizzly Salvage or Ransack the Lab or a lot of like cheap kind of cantrips, Winding Way, whatever, um, that let you look through the top couple cards of your library, put one into your hand and put the rest in your graveyard. So I, I think you can really easily get this going. It's uh it's just like is it worth it to draw one extra card or or are there better things I could be doing with my my commander slot? Yeah, I I'm don't really have much to add. I think when black green misses, it's not that big of a hit to me because most black green commanders do something interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um there's a lot of variation within that color identity. So having in Kaga, which is kind of just like a mediocre like draw spell as your commander that like has death touch when she attacks <laughs> like <laughs> okay, that's fine. I don't need to we don't need a win here. We've got like thirty something wins back at home. Like we can keep on we can give wins to other colors, which I think I think we are doing in the set. So that's good. Um, can I read off this next guy? 
Uh, yes, go for it. So this guy is is a lot. So I'm going to try and be as clear as possible. This is Alondo the Seer, a 3-5 human shaman for 4 mana value, uh, 2 green-blue. And he has this doozy of a tap trigger. He says, tap, draw a card, then exile a card from your hand, and put a number of time counters on it equal to its mana value. It gains when the last time counter is removed from this card. If it's exiled, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. If you cast a creature spell this way, it gains haste until end of turn. Then remove a time counter from each other card you own in exile. So this is all one big trigger. This is all like part of his tap ability. You do not give the card suspend. So if you tap him once, that card is just going to be sitting there until you can cast Alondo again. Yes, there's no like regular mechanism for removing counters other than his own ability. Mm -hmm. But he does work with suspend cards. So if you do suspend, um, I don't know what's the what's the ancestral vision. Yeah, ancestral vision. he will remove counters from Ancestral Vision uh, in addition to the counters that Ancestral Vision will remove from itself. So mm-hmm. um, does still play nicely with suspend spells, even though he's not giving things suspend. Yes, although be careful. Like you can't actually, it, it's not a good idea to use him to suspend something. Yes. <laughs> uh, because uh, like an Ancestral Vision, because it has its mana value is zero. Um, You'll never you, remove the last counter. <laughs> exactly. You can never remove the last counter. Yep. So um interesting. Basically, like uh if you're okay with me talking about this, like yeah. the this this you twiddle this guy. You just tap him, you untap him, tap him again. The more times you can tap him in a turn, the more spells you get in a turn. Um which is honestly is pretty fun and fair magic, but the problem, uh you're you're a Simic commander. Who draws cards and cheats on mana? Who who could have who could have imagined <laughs> they'd print one of these? <laughs> so yes, uh, we have a, a deck list linked in the episode description. It is thanks to Alex Whiteclay for whipping this one up. But just in in doing some gold fishing, it is incredible how long your turns last. Because yeah. <laughs> you know when when cards uh, when he's able to solve for cards and able to solve for mana, like you can just keep going kind of forever as long as you're able to keep hitting more ways to untap him um so very interesting commander uh it's very solitary yeah so maybe if your play group isn't uh isn't too into that maybe skip him but um certainly a really interesting deck yeah yeah as as much as i'm harping on the like generic simic card value Commander, I actually do think this is a really cool execution, and and I think it's a pretty interesting idea to put this much text on a trigger <laughs> on, on an activated ability. So this next guy is a lot a lot smoother to talk about. Um, can I read him and you get into him? Sure. So this is Corlesa Scale Singer. This is a one four dragon bard for two mana, green blue. Uh, they have. You may look at the top card of your library at any time, and you may cast dragon spells from the top of your library. You are, yeah, you're in, you're in green, blue, and you got dragons, I guess. So, <laughs> like, the 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 pickings are so slim for dragons in this color identity, even with the uh, injection of a bunch of blue green dragons in Baldur's Gate. Um, 
really there's only a couple i would i would really want to run there's one that's a mana dork um there's a couple good changelings i would consider running like masked vandal but really i think the majority of this deck's power is just going to be the the benefit of knowing what your top card is at any time yeah actually definitely true (laughs) so so you can run a lot of fun ways to mill yourself um just so you like never draw a card you don't want to draw. You can run like Codex Shredder, Gold Colors Bell, Pixis of Pandemonium, Wand of Vertebrae, uh, a bunch of there's a bunch of like cantrips that mill yourself, like Thought Scour, Mental Note, Ray of Erasure. Um I think just like yeah, building your deck so that you never draw a bad card is kind of fun. And then it does have a win condition in the form of Thought Lash. So we've talked about Thought Lash before, but anytime you have a blue commander that lets you um anytime you have a blue commander that lets you look at the top card of your library, you should be considering Thought Lash. Because uh Thought Lash is two blue blue for an enchantment, cumulative upkeep, exile the top card of your library. And whenever you can't pay the cumulative upkeep cost, exile your entire library and sacrifice Thought Lash. Uh, and then it also has the activated ability. Exile the top card of your library, prevent the next one damage that would be dealt to you. So with a, a Cordlessa on the battlefield and Thought Lash on the board, you can just see the top card, exile it if it's not a Thassa's Oracle until it is a Thassa's Oracle, and then you just need like a cantrip. Yeah, if you have any way to draw a card, then you can exile until you get the Thassa's Oracle, cast the Thassa's Oracle, and then use Thought Lash to exile the rest of your library and Thassa's Oracle when you the game. So that's probably how you're going to win most of the time with this deck. Other than that, it doesn't really have a lot of win conditions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I-, I want the listeners at home to mark off uh, two mana commander wins with thought lash uh, off the, the bingo card, the CT bingo card. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's funny. Cause like this looks, I mean, it's, it says dragons and stuff like that, but like, there's just so much more you can do with it, and it's only mm-hmm. two mana, and it's a one four. It blocks it blocks pretty well in the early game. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to keep on moving to this not quite as interesting <laughs> of a, a dragon commander? Uh, yes. So I can read this one off. This is sure. Lausanne. I'm, I'm gonna go with Lausanne. Mm-hmm. Dragon's Legacy. It's three blue red for a four two legendary creature dragon shaman. It has flying. Whenever you cast an adventure spell or dragon spell, Lausanne deals damage equal to that spell's mana value to any target that isn't a commander. Uh, well, what what do you think about Lausanne? Uh, I don't think too highly of Lausanne. I think <laughs> the ability to not hit commanders is just a huge drawback. Like the one card that you're guaranteed to see your opponents play every game and you can't interact with it is like kind of lame um the adventure spells like we're getting more adventures in this set um it's actually the teamer dragons like archetype in the draft format uh but that doesn't mean they're good (laughs) you know like there there's a a green dragon that for three mana you can counter activated or triggered ability and for six mana you get a four four flyer is that like 
good. I mean, you can be the judge of that. <laughs> um, and they all are kind of like that. Like that one wouldn't go in this deck because it's green, but you, they're all basically very similar. Um, so building around the dragons or the adventures is like not crazy value. Um, it also, I, I, oh, I don't know. I think like if you, um, if you're really like bouncing and like you get a loop going, that's so dangerous that you can kill everyone in a turn. Like they're not going to let this creature live long enough to do that. You know, it's four, it's a four, two. So it's just going to die. If your deck shows any like amount of competence at all. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a weird space. I'm I'm not into where they took this card. Yeah. There's a lot of like five mana commanders that you need to untap with in this set. Mm-hmm. Uh, not loving that. Also, like, I mean, there's there's plenty of good dragons, so I'm not too. It, you could certainly make the card work with that half of the ability, but just like triggering off of off of adventures is a joke. That's I. I mean, maybe it'll do something unlimited, but you still have 40 life, and the creatures are like not a bunch of X ones. It's just like so many of the adventures in this color identity are just super weak things you would never ever want to do in commander um and there's only and there's still not that many of them there's only like 20 so yeah i don't really know what is going on with that half of the card but i think we can move on to the next commander <laughs> yeah absolutely so this is another uh is it commander this is nira wild mage um and hold on to your hats because this is another doozy of an ability so nira is a six mana for blue red uh two seven elf uh sorry human elf shaman and they have this one huge ability whenever you cast a spell you may put it on the bottom of its owner's library if you do reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a non-land card you may cast that card without paying its mana cost then put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order this ability triggers only once each turn so you only get to random once a turn you're not just spending your whole turn flipping through your library. <laughs> um, how do you feel about this? So it's okay. Incredibly, incredibly expensive. <laughs> this is so much <laughs> mana for this effect. Uh, I I don't get why this had to be six mana, but here we are. Um, it is useful for triggering cards that, that trigger off of casting your second spell. So like, jory n ledger shredder uh tomb of horrors adventurer all of those can give you good value when you cast your second spell and you can of course do this multi even though it only triggers once per turn you could do this on your opponent's turns so you could potentially like if you have a jory n out cast like some crappy some crappy cantrip like you know on your turn on opponent a b and c's turn and get a whole lot of value over the course of a round of turns so that's kind of cool um there are a, a handful of cards that are kind of low uh there's like low opportunity cost to run them like fibble thip or see the truth which basically just cantrip if you cast them normally but if you cast them out of your library then they they give you a ton of value see the truth will draw you three cards fibble thip will draw you two cards uh so worth considering you can of course set up your um your top card with like a mystical tutor, a personal tutor, a scroll rack, a brainstorm. Um, 
It's also good for breaking symmetry on a couple cards. So Nullstone Gargoyle is nine mana for an artifact creature. Whenever a player casts their first non-creature spell each turn, counter it. Nine mana is, of course, ridiculous, but there's a decent (laughs) chance you'll just flip into it with this commander. So you might not actually have to pay full retail. And then, if, yeah. and then, like because you control both the Nullstone trigger and Nira, you can then just make it so that you stack the triggers, and Nira will resolve, and the Nullstone gets fizzled. So something to consider. It, it's good for messing with your opponents. It's also good for breaking symmetry on Possibility Storm. Um, so Possibility Storm is worded such that. It only triggers when players cast spells from their hands. So if you are cast something from your hand, Possibility Storm and Nira is going to trigger. You just stack it so that Nira resolves. And then the thing you flip into off of Nira is not going to trigger the Possibility Storm. So you just get to keep it. Uh, you will have to be pretty careful with this deck. Uh, counter spells are going to be a lot less good than they normally are. Mm-hmm. Just because yeah, flipping absolutely. into them is, is awful. Um but do you have any thoughts about Nira? I, I'm I'm still even after like relaying that tech, I still really don't love this commander. Yeah, I mean, so this actually reminds me. I had an Arjun the Shifting Flame deck, um, which was a six mana red blue commander that did something goofy, and um, that deck was a blast to play. But basically, it, I took it apart because I'd basically be playing solitaire a lot of the time. Um, and it was a similar thing where like it's a blue deck, but counter spells are pretty bad. Um, so any counter spell I had in the deck was like doubled as something else, like an unsubstantiate or something like that. Where if I randomed into something, it wasn't a dud. Um, so that's there. There are counter spells that do stuff like that, that like have multiple modes or something like that that you can use. But um, I don't think I have anything much to add. I think this is just like. Be careful. Don't troll your opponents too much. Um, have some fun, but this is a pretty casual commander. I think that's what this is. Like, I, I think this is more fun for your opponents than Arjun was for opponents. It is in my estimation, like seeing it just on like uh, the internet, <laughs> like not having the cards <laughs> yet. But um, I mean, blue red is still prone to long turns. So just kind of get through your loops quickly know what you're doing maybe practice by goldfishing uh and don't troll everyone too hard (laughs) (laughs) um and we're into some boros commanders do you want uh me to read off this first one yes go for it uh this is commander liara porter i think that's what that's what i'm gonna say this is commander liara porter uh this is a five three human soldier for five mana three red white and uh she says, whenever you attack, spells you cast from exile this turn cost X less to cast, where X is the number of players being attacked. Exile the top X cards of your library. Until end of turn, you may cast spells from among the exiled cards. Um, so, yeah, do you want to dig into this one? Yeah, this is a pretty sweet commander. I mean, it offers card advantage and, uh, you know, potentially a lot of mana for for her cost uh it's it's really not that hard to cast some useful creatures in the first couple turns of the game and then drop commander liara and on the same turn sort of get things going obviously because her 
uh, ability just reduces the generic cost. There's a big incentive to run uh, artifacts in this deck. Um, but there's a lot of other things you can do well. I, I really like running um, additional combat step effects in this deck mm-hmm. just because the, the the cost reduction stacks and you get to see more cards. Um, it's It seems like a, a pretty good synergy there. Uh, also, just like running rituals will make it so that you can pay the the cost or running like treasure generators make it easier to pay the the colored costs for your spells that you're exiling off of the commander Mm -hmm. uh seems like a a pretty neat deck um any do you have any thoughts about it um i actually really like this i think that like they've been finding interesting ways to make eye attack an interesting boros mechanic um which is great. I love that. Um, and I don't think the combat step has to just be like this mindless, like, all right, like two at you, three at you, one at you, pass kind of thing. Like this actually makes it really interesting. Um, I really like that this works with like the big Boros token makers too. Like the, the um, what's the make five guys and flashback make more guys? Uh Oh, uh, increasing devotion? Yeah, so like increasing devotion. So your increasing devotion not only like gets the discount pretty well when you like cast it from exile, it also subsidizes the spells that come after that. So you can kind of chain these Boros like token making spells into each other, which you probably want to play anyway because you're um, trying to get in at a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. So um Definitely, I think this is a cool commander. I am excited to see them push Boros into. I mean, like honestly, this could have been this. This just could have been how how it was, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't need to didn't need to be like it had been for so long. They could have just done this so long ago. Um, but I think the next Boros commander is is also incredibly interesting. Do you want to get into that one? Yeah. So this is Duke Older Raven Guard. Four red white for a five five legendary creature human noble soldier. At the beginning of combat on your turn, another target creature you control gains haste and myriad until end of turn. And as a reminder, myriad is whenever this creature attacks for each opponent other than defending player, you may create a token that's a copy of that creature that's tapped and attacking that creature or a planeswalker they control. Exile the tokens at end of combat. So uh, I've been complaining a lot about expensive commanders in this episode, but this one really, I think, justifies the cost. Like the amount of value it offers seems very good. There's some powerful, um, there, there's some powerful ETB triggers in this color identity. Uh, you know, solitude, skyclave apparition. Uh, there's a lot of red creatures that blow up lands when they enter the battlefield and getting multiple copies of them each turn is going to be pretty devastating for your opponents. Uh, I, I think there's just a lot of cool cards that are worth copying. Um, and I like that you can just set up your board, drop the Duke and your opponents are going to lose a lot of permanence very quickly. Yeah. I don't really have much to add. I think this guy's really strong. Like, like six mana is still, I think, 
a pretty generous price tag for like <laughs> what this guy is. So I'm I'm very excited about this guy. I think this is a really cool Boros deck. I think I don't know. Do you want to start? We're in the multi the the three color commanders now. The multi multi colors. Yeah, these are the the final ten commanders in the main set. So let's let's jump right into it with Bane, Lord of Darkness. It is one white, blue, black. So four mana for a five two legendary creature god. As long as your life total is less than or equal to half your starting life total, Bane has indestructible. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, target opponent may have you draw a card. If they don't, you may put a creature card with equal or lesser toughness from your hand onto the battlefield. So just a quick note, uh, there are three three color gods in this set, and all of them have the same like conditional indestructible ability. Um, but what do you think about Bane's uh, trigger here? Um, I think that um okay so i i actually like the like toughness matters things is fun um so like i think if i was going to build this deck what i do is i put in like a bunch of like big booty creatures that like maybe are utility creatures like the the blue guys that uh make mana for spells or thing things like that like have something early that comes down where people really don't want to attack into you because then you you might basically end up cheating out um like something really heinous so that seems interesting to me um but the booby prize is basically like you just keep the ball rolling you get to draw the cards instead of like cheating things into play because honestly i think like people aren't going to let you do that very I mean, often <laughs> yeah i just i mean i've said this many times before like any commander that gives my opponent a choice over how it works is going to disappoint um yeah like you can build your deck like oh I'm, i've got this crazy toughness chain and if people can tell that like that's what you're on about and it's going to be really messed up if you let them drop things in or if they let you drop things in then they're just going to be like oh you can take the card and then you you built your deck this this weird way kind of for nothing just so you could have like a a midnight reaper in the command zone <laughs> um so i uh really don't like that like that there is something you can do to kind of force their hand like yeah <laughs> rather than making this toughness chain you can have like mortis strider or endless cockroaches these are two small creatures like endless cockroaches is one black black mortis strider is one blue black for they're both one ones and they have the ability uh when this creature dies return it to your hand so basically uh you you just stack the trigger so that it gets back in your hand before bane's trigger resolves and then if your opponents allow you to drop in a creature with lesser toughness then you get to put the creature back onto the battlefield. So you're kind of exactly where you started, except you netted whatever your sacrifice outlet was. So you do need to have like a cooperating opponent for this to work, but you could be in a position where like, okay, my sack outlet is blasting station. Uh, Hey, opponent C, I can tell you're losing really badly right now. (laughs) Let's make a deal. How about, you let me get the cockroaches back enough times that I can kill those two. 
and then it's and then it's me and you in the finals <laughs> and yeah and there, there's a decent chance somebody takes you up on that um and and so that could be a way to like shortcut to victory but then of course once you're in that final situation they're just gonna let you draw one card for every three mana you invest into recasting your cockroaches um which is not nearly as exciting uh but but i think this is all kind of like beside the point like what i really see when i look at this card is just the the indestructible thing like (laughs) which we will yeah which is the all of the gods in the set have this line of text mm -hmm. uh and this one like he's he's relatively cheap it's not that hard to pay life in this color identity you can just pay it to some of these black effects that um let you draw cards or whatever and then once you're at that 20 life threshold uh and he's indestructible then you can just like you know cast board wipes that your commander survives and i I don't know figure out how to win from there that seems like a pretty good position to be in certainly Mm -hmm. a lot easier than recasting cockroaches a bunch of times yeah (laughs) i mean i think that's kind of what all of these devolve into because i think for the most part all of the gods uh they're all black this time right they all had black in the color they identity, all have black in their color identity. which um just kind of lends itself to like make board go boom hit you really easily um mm-hmm. so you always have that whether it's your plan a or your plan b um but i just i just i don't think it's like again i think like many of the commanders in this set, like this isn't a crazy strong ability, but like if the building around the toughness is like going to be fun for someone, even if like it never pans out. That's a that's, for them, that's, you know? that's a terrible outcome though. Like if they're really <laughs> excited about toughness, they will never get to do the thing. <laughs> well, well, I think that like there's enough like toughness matter cards from like the recent Zendikar visit with the zombies, like the black green stuff like you get the black cards from that and azorius in the past has had some toughness banner so i don't think it's like a complete dud um i'll, but... I'll say if you're trying to do toughness sacrifice shenanigans just like play kolfenor from the first <laughs> commander legends i think you're gonna be so much happier mm-hmm. with that deck that's that i mean yeah that is definitely true um and uh, either of them actually you can play the sapling who is indestructible also or but Kulfenor does the chain that's what you're really yeah the the azorius or not the azorius one the uh, abzan one yeah does Mm -hmm. the chain um do you want to get into this next guy yeah uh uh, okay i'll I'll read this off this is zev zev lore elterel exile one blue black red for a four two legendary creature tiefling warrior it has haste and it has two tap whenever you next cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets only a single opponent or a single opponent and or sorry that targets <laughs> only a single opponent or a single permanent an opponent controls this turn for each other opponent choose that player or a permanent they control copy that spell and the copy targets the chosen player or permanent god that's that's not well worded and i'm sure you're probably having trouble figuring out exactly what that does after that that reading off essentially if you cast a thought seize and copy it with Elturel or like an activate Elturel's ability, then you get to thought seize your other two opponents. If you cast a doom blade and you activate Zevlor, um, then you get to doom blade 
permanence controlled by the other two players. That's what's going on with this spell. Mm-hmm. Or with so this, you, uh, with this exactly, exactly. So you cruel ultimatum one person. Just kidding. I cruel ultimatum every person. Mm-hmm. So you just make it so whatever your single target spell did, it hits each player or thing, like one of each thing that it could have done. So um, absolutely terrible wording on this commander for like an effect that's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I'm, I really want to say is that uh, I think it's interesting that like with Feather, they looked in there like, well, what does this color identity do it, that like we can make scale up to commander? And like Grixis control is pretty much a deck most standard seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and they always are running like go blanks and like little cheap burn spells, the playing with fires, you know, like little things like that. And but they're all single target. Those spells don't scale <laughs> up to commander at all, like period. Like one of the reasons that Cruel Tomatum, like some people play it in commander, but like it's not ubiquitous is because like it hits one player. Um, so I do like that they looked at like the suite of like Grixis tools and we're like oh it would be cool if you could play your grixis control cards in multiplayer um that said this is like why'd they give it haste Mm -hmm. (laughs) like when are you ever gonna like cast a spell and then like haste this guy in and be like just kidding it's all of you i know like you could either cast this on turn four with the expectation that like you untap and, and do something cool on turn five or you can like wait until turn seven to thought these <laughs> two other people. Yeah, very funny. Yeah, uh, there's this is actually not the only commander uh, this set with like baffling haste on it. We'll talk about the other in a little bit. Um, but yeah, we've got a, a list in the episode description if you want to check it out. Just some ideas for fun things you can do, quote unquote fun. There's like mind twist in that list. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it seems like. Um, a neat little commander provided you can keep him alive like yeah and and i guess that's the last point i want to make about him is like is grixis control fun for your opponents if you are actively controlling all three opponents you have like so effectively that they can't do anything is that then, fun probably well, also, <laughs> not, but like that's why they're, they're just gonna things. put you in an arch enemy position and like okay i'm you know they're they're going to figure out like, oh, getting <laughs> thought seized is not cool. I probably want to kill Zevlor. Yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, man, he keeps terminating like everything. <laughs> <laughs> this is lame. So, yeah. Yeah. So it, interesting. I, I like the design principle behind this guy, even if I don't like the execution necessarily on him. Do you want me to read this guy? Sure. Go for it. Yeah, so, <laughs> oh man, what a, what a guy this is. This is Ball, Lord of Murder. Uh, this is another god. Uh, they are a 4-4 four, four for 5 mana, 2 black, red, green. So a Jund god. Uh, they have the same text as Bane, as long as your life total is less than or equal to half your starting life total. A Ball, Lord of Murder, has indestructible. And whenever another non-token creature you control dies, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature and goad it. So yeah, I think you get into it and let's let's see what this guy's all about, I guess. Sure. Uh, so honestly, I don't really care that much about the, the second ability here. Um, you know, when I see an indestructible legend in black, I, I start thinking about spreading plague. Uh, and when I see an indestructible legend in red, I think about 
Jokel Halps and Devastation. So uh <laughs> I, I think that like this is not gonna be the most fun commander to play against. You're gonna run a lot of the those same cards I talked about earlier. Necropotence, and I guess in this case Fire Covenant, to pay down your life total to get your commander indestructible, and then you're gonna blow up the world and have just like a creature left that can attack and serve as your win condition. Uh so yeah, that's that's kind of what I see for this guy, but you got any <laughs> other thoughts? There's some weird tension between like um this commander and like wanting to like see your creatures die and also goading and wanting to see other creatures die like cuz goad commanders like Marisi, they don't actually want their opponents creatures to go away they just want them to like not hit marisi right like as the marisi player like i just want you all to fight each other and i'm sitting here sowing chaos like ball kind of seems like that um but like i don't actually know if the the play pattern of like early game pay life for cards and effects late game uh hops is like a great part of that chain of like the goading things chain like i don't really see how the how i don't know other than just being indestructible which actually i think at may or may not be a hindrance to like this card's functionality it's i don't know ball seems weird ball seems like a weird disjointed bunch of abilities put together to me do i want to be sacking all my creatures and like paying life for stuff or do i want to just blow up the world <laughs> I think that like the the plus plus one counter and the goad is just too small of an effect to really make me interested in it. I mean, un- un- unless there were to be a bunch of cards printed on the horizon that were acted as like goad tribal effects, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as of the the knowledge we have right now, um, I'm I'm not super interested in in building around that ability. I am ready to talk about the next commander if you are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So this is Mazzy True Sword Paladin. One red, green, white for a 3-4 legendary creature Halfling Knight. Whenever an enchanted creature attacks one of your opponents, it gets plus 2, plus 0, and gains trample until end of turn. Whenever an aura you control is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, exile it. Until the end of your next turn, you may cast that card. So the the first ability here, the plus two plus O for enchanted creatures attacking your opponents, just if that's what you're interested in, you should probably just play Gahiji. It's the same color identity, provides essentially the same bonus, uh, and doesn't require you to put a bunch of auras on your opponent's stuff. So that's that's where I'd start with this. Um the second ability is kind of interesting and i honestly i'm like more compelled to try to build around that mm-hmm. um so there's a couple auras that can sacrifice for benefits like unbridled growth uh, let me read this off this is a single green mana for an aura that goes on a land enchanted land has tap add one man of any color um and then sacrifice unbridled growth draw a card so you can just keep casting this uh sacrificing it goes to exile you cast it again so it's just pay a single green mana to draw a card and you can do that as many times as you like um and you you honestly like 
because unbridled growth fixes your mana, it doesn't even matter if like you only have one green source to start it rolling. That's kind of nice. Um, there's also crackling club. This is not nearly as like good a rate, but it's a single red mana for an aura of an enchant creature. Enchant creature gets plus one plus O. Oh. Sacrifice crackling club. Crackling club deals one damage to target creature. So if you're willing to just recast this over and over, you can just pay one red, deal one damage as many times as you like. Briar shield is a single green mana for an aura of an enchant creature. Uh, enchanted creature gets plus one plus one. In sacrifice, briar shield. Enchanted creature gets plus three plus three until end of turn. So. You can just keep recasting that. It's it's a giant growth as many times as you want. Which could be useful if you're trying to get a Voltron kill or something. Uh, I was thinking like there's a decent number of, of cheap cantrip auras. You if you have like an like an aura tog or a faith healer or some other enchantment sack outlet, you can just keep recasting those. It's not nearly as efficient as unbridled growth, but there's not a a ton of I mean it's like redundancy and of course like the more you do that eventually you'll find the unbridled growth or a tutor to, to get it and then you can switch to a more efficient card draw engine but that's yeah. that's kind of what i'm thinking about with mazzy what, what are your thoughts yeah i was kind of uh, just kind of mirroring that like i think the ordeals like ordeal of perforos isn't crazy <laughs> with mazzy but like ordeal of heliod like gaining 10 a turn or getting a bunch of lands with ordeal of nylia each turn seems like pretty good on top of like buffing either mazzy or something else permanently johnny's chosen is this like goofy card you can get for like 30 cents um it's a three three for four whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield you make a two two uh, and you can put the aura on the two two if you want it's a cat token um works really well with this too because like you always have something going on you're always casting uh these auras that hopefully you're looping every turn so even if you don't put the auras on the cats themselves you're like generating value doing that um so i think i think this is actually pretty cool <laughs> like i actually like a lot of the things i'm seeing with mazzy and i think that it's interesting um i don't know it's interesting to see how they are making a cool aura commander work in these colors because i think that naya has some cool interesting stuff uh it's really just needed a push it's really needed somewhere to put them and this i think does it pretty well yeah so this is kind of a neat little uh naya enchantress commander if that's what you want to do mm-hmm. um and yeah i'm ready to talk about the next one though which i'm <laughs> not nearly as high on uh this is gorion wise mentor <laughs> Uh, this is green, white, blue for a 3-4 legendary creature human wizard. It has vigilance. Whenever you cast an adventure spell, you may copy it. You may choose new targets for the copy. <sighs> <laughs> so we've seen the entire set as of the time of recording, and uh, there are not really any adventures I'm excited to run. I don't I mean, there's like a handful, but I don't know how you're going to fill out an entire deck with this guy. Most of them are just like merfolk secret keepers that like mill your opponents for four or like target creature gets uh, doesn't untap during its next untap step. It's just like really 
not the kind of stuff you want to be doing in a in a commander deck. Yeah. Uh I don't know. Eldrain three is gonna come around, it's gonna bring the heat, and then who's gonna be laughing? Gorion, <laughs> wise mentor, he's gonna be laughing, you know? But honestly, no, I don't <laughs> this is like, okay, cool, you beanstalk giant twice. You win. Mm-hmm. You um Wrath Giant twice. Oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Like yeah, there's just not a lot. Yeah, th- there's only Ooh. 37 ad- cards with adventures in this color identity. And in terms of like things I would want to play and be excited to copy, I I only see like maybe five cards. Yeah, it's- I wish the the one that filtered mana like filtered more like um Manamorphose or something like that mm. so that you could combo somehow Use it with like it. a better ritual like right now it's just kind of like a rite of flame yeah exactly which is not nothing but also it's pretty much nothing mm-hmm. so yeah all right Gorion, see you when a uh, eldrain three comes out that's when uh, i'm putting my money down now all right uh, all right uh moving on to the next commander uh you want to read this one off uh yeah this is uh i think it's just jan jansen chaos crafter but it might mm-hmm. be yan jansen um, uh, I, I'm gonna assume that every. I'm gonna assume that like it's just spelled how it's pronounced. That's why they put like that crazy G Y O M E for Guillaume when it should have been like G U I L L A U M E. Like it, everything is written phonetically. I, I'm pretty sure that's how we should interpret it. Yeah, and I know this character. Like I, I knew of this character for whatever reason from just playing D and D. I think. Oh man, I'll, okay. I'll. I'm not going to get into it because I only know the name, <laughs> and I knew that they were a tinkerer. So, um, Jan Jansen, Chaos Crafter, is an a gnome artificer. They uh, are a three three with haste for red, white, black. So just three mana. Uh, they have two activated abilities: tap, sacrifice an artifact creature, create two treasure tokens, and tap, sacrifice a non-creature artifact, create two one one colorless construct artifact creature tokens. <laughs> I don't know. I I honestly don't have much to say about this guy. Do you want to get into him? Uh sure. So it's I mean it's nice that he has haste. There are a couple of cards out there that will allow you to untap him multiple times per round of turns like you know for example, Drum Bellower, White Plume Adventurer uh allow you to activate him and and really you need to be activating this guy a whole bunch to to start seeing profits from his ability um so drum bellower white plume adventurer um anointed procession is nice just doubling up on both halves of this card um you could also this is a little goofy so if you have a way to make jan an artifact by like a, a liquid metal coating or a liquid metal torque you can use clock of omens uh and basically like he'll make two artifacts which can that you can then tap to untap him, and then he can activate again, and you end up with infinite tapped treasure, infinite tapped constructs. Uh, that's that's sort of a decent combo finish for him. You just have to like find the. I mean, you're in a black color identity, so you can tutor things out relatively easily. That might sort of be the end state for this commander. Maybe you just like generate value for a little bit until you find your combo pieces Mm -hmm. that would be my guess like it seems like if you need mana you sack your mercer to get like a card back and make some treasure and then if you need 
like blockers, you sack your, uh, I don't know, mana rock you're not using anymore, get two guys. Like, he seems like just kind of generic, fun, artifacty things. Like, these three colors are actually like a color I've been wanting to have an artifact commander in, but for whatever reason, this is not super appealing to me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm not, not quite sure how you win unless you either go full, like, um, uh, what's the metalcraft guy, the Boris guy, like? Oh, Jorkadine. Yeah, unless you like go full Jorkadine, or you just straight up combo. So mm-hmm. it's like whatever. But I mean, you can make Jan like an artifact. There's a lot of ways to do that now. Uh, you can add a clock of omens. You get infinite tap treasure that way. Infinite tap constructs. Uh, that's all within the color identity really easily. Um, there's like equipment that make them an artifact there's spells that make them an artifact there's liquid metal torque makes them an artifact there's liquid metal coating does it so that's a way you can do that um and it's really easy to tutor up those pieces i mean you're in black you're in red you know, your goblin engineer does a lot of the work for you um so yeah i don't know i that's jan jansen <laughs> there <All> he right. is <laughs> that's right uh the next guy is mirim sentinel worm it is three green, blue, red for a 6-6 six, six legendary creature, Dragon Spirit, with flying and ward two. Whenever another non-token dragon enters the battlefield under your control, create a token that's a copy of it, except the token isn't legendary if that dragon is legendary. So, this is pretty pretty interesting. Um, like, there are some some very powerful dragons to copy you have multiple clouts going on or multiple old knob bones uh that's very strong there's also some dragons with triggered abilities uh like terror of the peaks or scourge of valkus if you have multiple of those then your damage output becomes pretty crazy um i i personally like the idea of like playing clones because let's i mean you let's say you have three clothes in hand you clone mirim so the first one is going to be legendary and it will die to the legend rule, but it, uh, Mirim's going to make a copy that is not legendary. So first clone, you end up with two Mirims, the original and a, a non-legendary copy. Then you play another clone, this time copying the non-legendary Mirim, uh, and then your two existing Mirims are going to make two more copies of that, so you end up with five Mirims, four of which are token non-legendary copies. You play a third clone, you're going to end up with 11 Mirims. And then if you play like a Terror of the Peaks or a Scourge of Valkus into that, then it's just lethal. <laughs> yeah, um, you win. <laughs> if, uh, if you played a Dragon Tempest before you got these guys down, then the Dragon Tempest will burn people out and your Mirims are all going to have haste. Um, that's one fun direction. Uh, Alex Whiteclay, our, our frequent collaborator, came up with a really cool combo for Mirim. Um, there are a couple champion creatures in this color identity uh so champion is an old mechanic from um from lorwen but essentially champion is um when this creature enters the battlefield sacrifice it and lets you exile another creature you control from uh unless you exile another creature you control and then when this creature leaves the battlefield return the exiled card to the battlefield so it kind of just like Put something under it, sort of like a fiend hunter or whatever. Uh, so the way this works is you need to have one of the champion changelings, of which there's a handful. 
and uh, you you play it, it's going to make a copy of itself. Uh, the copy then, let's see. Okay, sorry, this is a, this is a complicated sequence. Um, okay, so you have one champion changeling on the board. You play a second ch- uh, champion changeling. The second one comes in, exiles the first, and then the token copy of the second changeling is going to exile the second. Uh, so you're going to end up with a pile that's token. Underneath it is the second changeling. And then when that second changeling leaves the battlefield, the first changeling that was already there is going to come back. This first one exiles the token copy of the second one. The second one is going to come back. And then basically you just go through this loop. You get infinite, enters the battlefield abilities, leaves the battlefield abilities, and you end up with a bunch of extra token copies of these changes of these changeling creatures that just die that you can just sacrifice. Uh, so you end up with infinite dies triggers as well. So that's something to consider. Um, just be aware that that could be a little tricky to assemble. There's only changeling berserker and changeling Titan. Um, but any, but because they're changelings, like any tutor for any creature type is going to be able to find these for you. So that's a potential combo line that you could go for, but I, clearly there's just a lot of different options and, and directions you can take Miram. Yeah, I I do like that they like accurately keyed into like so all of everything that you just said like still holds true, but I do like that the, they accurately assessed what dragon players, especially teamer dragon players, wanted, which is just have a lot of dragons on the battlefield. They're like, what is the play pattern that these players wanted? Ah, yes, have lots of dragons. And, uh, you know, they're right. So uh, there is a deck list. I, did you make this or did Alex make this? Uh, I made that deck list. Okay, cool. Yeah, so there'll be a deck list and you can check it out and you can see just how many Mirams you can make <laughs> in a in a turn. And it's a lot, actually. You'll be surprised. So can I read off this next one? Yeah, go for it. So uh, this is, I think, the last god for the set. This is Miracle, Lord of Bones. Uh, Miracle is a 7-5 god for 7 mana, 4 white, black, green. Uh, They have the same line of text. As long as your life total is less than or equal to half your starting life total. Uh, Sorry, Miracle, Lord of Bones is indestructible. So what do they do? Whenever a non-token creature you control dies, you may exile it. If you do create a token that's a copy of that card, except it's an enchantment and loses all other card types. So um, you, uh, I don't know, you play a Kitchen Finks, uh, it dies, and you get a, a Kitchen Finks that gains you two life, but now is just a, an object. <laughs> <laughs> and you could do that with anything. It could be um, you play a... Um, uh, loyal companion or uh there was the loyal war dog or whatever that three one and it dies and it comes back and you get another land and now you just have this object sitting there so those are like examples but that's not what i would do if i was going to make the deck do you want to get into like what this deck could look like sure um so notably like there's a lot of things that work better as enchantments than they do as creatures so like mana dorks uh, you know, they have summoning sickness if you just play them as creatures, but once they're enchantments, you can tap them immediately. So like playing mana dorks 
just to help you sort of accelerate into Merkle and then sacrifice them, sacrificing them for value afterwards uh, is pretty nice because they're just more useful, less vulnerable as enchantments. Um, Devoted Druid is uniquely good in this case because once it's first off, it has its own mechanism for killing itself. Uh, And then once it's an enchantment, uh, the, the plus one plus one counters you put on it to untap it don't matter at all it's it's kind of like the swift reconfiguration combo so devoted druid will help you get merkle down and then it will make infinite mana once it's and once he is on the battlefield uh other fun things to do um this deck is pretty good at getting constellation triggers uh, just by virtue of having a lot of it runs a lot of mana dorks and and similar utility creatures so uh it, and then runs a lot of sacrifice outlets so it can easily convert them into uh convert them into enchantments a lot of enchantments entering the battlefield things like um the giant the uh what is it called oh is that oh. doomwake giant yeah doomwake giant mm-hmm. um the eidolon of blossoms there's fair number of cards like that that are just going to help you get value um and then you probably want to uh, like there's a lot of tutors in this color identity so you can assemble the devoted druid combo pretty easily and then you are just going to also also want to make sure you have some outlets for your infinite mana because i think that's going to be like the primary win condition for this deck no i mean i i think so too i think a lot of the time you're just going to end up i don't know i think devoted druid into wincon is going to happen really often with this deck and what's the one that like you tap to make an opponent discard there's the elemental from the same set that does that Ooh, i don't remember uh there's the yeah because there's a bunch of them and they are all um they they all had like put a minus one minus one counter on it to do a thing like the white one is just prevent damage um but the black one was actually like gnarly it was like uh, a player discards a card. Oh, a Cinderhaze Wretch. That's what it is. Uh, it's a 3-2 for 5 that says tap target player discards a card. Play this only during your turn. Uh, and then you can put a minus 1, minus 1 counter on it to untap it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's another pretty pretty gnarly one. Um, that's but yeah, awesome. That, that's really good tech. Yeah, so th- there's a bunch of these things that, like like you said, they're just better as enchantments <laughs> than they are as creatures. Um so I don't know. Uh, they, this this one actually seems cool. The other two gods, like I could take or leave, but like this one, I was like, wow, this is actually a really interesting, like place to play in. Um, so I don't know. Is there anything else you want to add before we we get moving? Uh, no, I think we can move on to the second to last. Yes. Yep. Yeah, we have okay. two more for the episode. Uh, so here we've got um. Dina Air, yeah, Dina Here, so. yeah, uh, Invoker Adept. It is one blue, red, white for a four-four legendary creature, human wizard. It's got haste. You may activate abilities of other creatures you control as though those creatures had haste, and tap when you next activate an ability this turn by spending four or more mana to activate it. Copy that ability. You may choose new targets for the copy. So. I don't understand why this card has haste because it's activated ability requires you to have four, at least four mana. 
So like, I'm not going to wait until turn eight to play and use it in the same turn. Yeah. seems kind (laughs) of, but anyway. um, Yeah. So I was just sort of like, I started by just looking through the activated abilities in this just guy color identity. And I noticed that like a lot of them interacted well with artifacts. Like, I really wanted to be able to play like Arkham Dagson and Audacious Reshapers and Goblin Welder and Goblin Engineer. And it kind of just morphed into an artifact deck. It's got a, it still has a ton of creatures with tap abilities. Um, but a lot of the value is wrapped up in artifacts and, and creatures that um, interact with artifacts. So I, I think this is a, a pretty fun deck. Focusing on artifacts does. Uh, give you some really good options for for activated abilities to copy with Dyna Air. So, for example, like some really good activated abilities that cost four or more mana include like Mind Slaver. Uh, it also includes Keening Stone. If you Keening Stone and copy it, that will probably mill somebody out in a, a reasonable game. Uh, Avarice Totem is another fun one. Like by you. Normally it costs 10 mana to do the trick where you trade like some crappy permanent you control for some crappy permanent an opponent controls, but with Dyna Air it only costs five. So those are kind of the things I'm I'm thinking about with this commander. Um I've got a list in the episode description if you want to have a better idea of sort of what that looks like. Uh but just lots of moving artifacts around different zones and having a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean the it's funny because like other than like the x activated abilities like things that maybe scale pretty big there's not like a lot of crazy stuff like we're we're getting um the rod of wonder i think is in the set but chaos wand you know is like interesting brittle effigy costs four more there's not like a lot of things in jeskai that you're like i'm gonna double this and it's gonna Mm -hmm. be really good for you um so (laughs) like (laughs) I don't know. Have fun digging around. Um, I do think that this is kind of where my mind naturally went to just because there are so many artifacts that that do something like this. Um, But uh, there's probably something crazy in there somewhere. I know that like Lithiform Engine was something my mind went to because like if you're paying for to copy a permanent, getting an extra one or being in the right colors seemed pretty good. But um i think i think do you want to move on to this last commander what a doozy of a last commander this is sure uh this last one is nine fingers keen it is one black green blue for a four four legendary creature human rogue it's got menace and ward pay nine life whenever nine fingers keen deals combat damage to a player look at the top nine cards of your library you may put a gate card from among them onto the battlefield. Then, if you control nine or more gates, put the rest into your hand. Otherwise, put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. I mean, pretty clearly with this commander, its uh, power is limited by the number of gates you can run. And in this color identity, as of the release of Commander Legends Baldur's Gate, um, there are 11 gates in the color identity. So if you run that through the hypergeometric calculator, that means 
Nine Fingers Keen's uh, trigger has a 67% chance to hit, um, which isn't great. There yeah. are like one or two things you can do to copy it. You can run like a, a strionic resonator. You can run a lithoform engine, as, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, but it seems hard to assemble. And then, of course, if you're running things like... Um, Oh gosh, what's what's the card that like searches for gates and puts them onto the battlefield? Oh, Maze's End. Uh, sure. Uh, or if, the, there's the Circuitous Route, I think. Yeah, Circuitous Route. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. So if you run like Circuitous Route, and there are a couple more cards like that in Baldur's Gate and, and other sets. Basically, the more gates you pull out of your library to try to get onto the battlefield and and meet this this nine finger or sorry this nine <laughs> uh, gate threshold. Um, you make it even harder to hit off of her trigger. So yes, it's a gate commander, but it's not exactly what I was hoping for. I, I kind of wish it was more like just flip until you hit a gate and put it onto the battlefield. Because um, I, I think it's going to be disappointing if you whiff with this a lot. But I will mention you can also like, you know, give it double strike with a with a fire shrieker or something. And that that's another way to, to up your, your hit rate. But mm. can, can you clarify something for me too? I'm, I'm pretty sure you don't need to put a gate on the battlefield to get the cards though. Like, so once you get to nine, it's just a huge draw spell. Yes, that is true. Okay. Okay. That's cool. So that's, that's fine. <laughs> you know, drawing nine on hit is like, could be worse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can, if you have like you know nine lands out you can scape shift and and get all your gates uh you can run ugh. If, if you are somehow like able to get a ton of mana you can run the um is it the ultimatum what's the no not the ultimatum the, what's the, the uh Absolutely. the card from the original commander legends that like searches for 10 lands and puts them onto the battlefield oh um so seismic something was reshape the earth yeah um, there you go so that's six green 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 for a sorcery search your library for up to 10 land cards put them on the battlefield tap then shuffle your library so I, I mean it's kind of roundabout but if you can cast this nine mana sorcery then you get to <laughs> draw nine cards from your commander it's like why are you not winning at that point why why didn't you just play an immersion ultimatum i don't know don't ask me um yeah <laughs> Anyway, like so the the um, I think this is appealing. I don't know. I I think this is cool. I think this is funny. Um, there's like enough like stupid gate cards at this point that like I think you can have fun like playing with it, and you get to play Guild Summit, which is honestly like awesome if you are running gates too it's the like you just draw a bunch of cards for gates entering and having gates and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so i i think it is i think nine fingers keen is fine like you're basically like you said you're capped right now like the probability is set in stone until wizards deigns to take us somewhere where there's more gates but who knows how long that will be that probably won't be forever but it probably will be a long time yeah, I I kind of wish, I mean, 
I understand that this card is like sort of serving the limited needs of the set and they wanted like a five color commander is just something that nobody would play in limited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think I feel like the gate commander needs to be five colors. Yeah, it's better. Absolutely. If it is, I just remembered this land plaza of harmony and that it's a gate land that is not a gate. Oh yeah. It's that like- it requires you to have gates, but yeah, big, uh kind of a miss on on watsy's part there yeah yeah oops oh well sorry everybody says watsy um (laughs) well i think that brings us to the end of the episode today do you want to uh any any like insights after going over everything anything you want to mention about these multicolor commanders uh i would say this is a pretty good crop of commanders i feel like It, I feel like the three color commanders are priced at a more aggressive rate than the two color commanders. Does that? Yeah, absolutely. Does that fit with I your experience? With yeah. yeah, with the exception of like two or three of the the two color commanders, like they're much more aggressively costed and they're much more like aggressively pushed. Um, even just like the gods are like indestructible thing (laughs) that you can't really deal with like that's that's pretty crazy so yeah yeah and i I understand part of that is like you know there is a a cycle of uncommons among the two color cards but just and and so they're not going to push too hard on those but even a lot of the rares just like you know five mana six mana Mm -hmm. two color commanders i don't know i think they feel like they could have been more aggressive Mm mm-hmm I mean, I think that is the thing, like, so early in the episode, I was like, keep a tally of every time I say that this is fun, but casual, because (laughs) it's like, probably like four fifths of these commanders are fun, but casual. You have like, Nira, Wild Mage, fun, but casual, like, uh, you have, I don't know, Bane, (laughs) like, possibly fun, but casual. Um, You had the... Kaga, you have Baba Lazaga, you have the experience counter one, the like drain life guy. Like that most of them are like fun play patterns, but they're costed in such a way that like it's a pretty casual game plan. And that's that's fine. I'm I'm fine. We're getting so many sets in a year and the set releasing like not just whatever like thirty of these guys we just talked about, but like also the choosers and backgrounds that's that's fine mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like well, it could it could be worse yeah so yeah happy happy with this i think it's pretty cool uh i'm looking forward to seeing the contents of the uh commander precons the face commanders that they spoiled were uh pretty interesting i'm looking forward to seeing like a lot of tribal stuff a lot of goad tech um so Keep an eye out for a future episode from us going over those pre-cons. Should be a lot of fun to talk about. But I think this episode's running pretty long, so I'm going to go ahead and close yeah. <laughs> it out here. Um, I want to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Gustav, Ryan, Addison, Rick, Raphael, Kyle, Laser, Charlotte, The White Clays, Hannah, Andy, James, Logan, Roger, Evan, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jamie, Matthew, Kyle, Brandon, Kevin, Jeremy, Russell, Dylan, John, Micah, Troy, Roxanne, Charles, Daniel, Andrew, Jason, Paul, Johan, Jonathan, Christian, Jim, Emmanuel, Andrea, Vasilios, Logan, Brutal, Brutal, Carl, Oscar, Danny B, Daniel, Ariel, 
Jean-Francois, Drew, and Recta. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. You can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Commander Theory. And on Twitter, I am at Fat Bartleby. You can also email us at commandertheory at gmail.com. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Nick Cage. You can check him out on SoundCloud. And if you're interested in some other creative products I'm working on, I have a band you can check out. We are a pink punk, pop punk band called The Have Nots, all one word like Cosmonauts. Uh, You can listen to all of our music for free right now. You can just head over to thehavenots.bandcamp.com. That is T-H-E-H-A-V-N-A-U-T-S.bandcamp.com. And check us out. Let me know what you think. Thank you.